0: to invite our senior pastor my beautiful wife pastor Melissa Hill to share the word awesome thank you so much Jacob I didn't think I'd ever get up here how is everybody we good So good to be back, just echoing what Jacob said. I heard you guys had a couple of really good services over the last two Sundays. I heard Alan did an amazing job and Kerry as well and all the teams. Uh, So thank you for releasing us to go get refreshed and and reset for 2020. And I'm so looking forward uh, to this year. Um, So we're kicking off a series. I've got to get straight into it. We're going to motor through uh, this sermon this morning. But we're kicking off a series called Against All Odds. Um, And uh, Jacob, you're preaching next Sunday. So you've got to save up some of that energy for next Sunday. Uh, But yeah, against all odds, So I'm just going to pray. Lord, we just thank you for who you are, Lord God. We thank you for this series, Lord God. We thank you that your word does not return void, Lord God. We just pray that you prepare our hearts, Lord, to receive what you have for us, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. So many uh, years ago, as as some of you or most of you would know, I struggled with a drug addiction. And you actually don't realise how addicted you are until you try to stop. I'm currently on a Daniel fast and um, so that a Daniel fast is when you eat fruit and veg only and uh, I didn't realise how addicted to sugar I actually was until I've just stopped it and, and the symptoms of not consuming sugar, uh, the headaches are, have been excruciating uh, but anyway that's a different story but when I tried to stop taking drugs uh, I, I, I realised that it wasn't going to be as easy as I thought I'd actually got myself in a lot deeper than I had intended. Um, Doctors, family, friends tried to help me, yet I just couldn't stop. The pull to use drugs was just so strong. And uh, my mind and my body was just so dependent on it. It literally felt like a big black hole that I couldn't get myself out of. And my situation seemed hopeless. It seemed hopeless. So hopeless, in fact, is that I attempted suicide. Uh, and thought that there was no way out. Uh, I didn't want to keep living this life that I was living, a life that was going nowhere, a life that was addicted to drugs. It was, to me, it was just such a horrible existence and I couldn't stop because I felt so addicted and I thought that the only way out was death. Yet God had other plans, praise God. And through a series of events, I arrived at Teen Challenge Drug and Alcohol Rehabilitation Centre. And I remember one of the very first conversations I had uh, with one of the staff members there. And she looked at me and she said, do you know that there is hope? And I thought, hope? Even just hearing the word just ignited something within me. And and I hadn't heard this word hope for such a long time. And, And I so desperately wanted to believe her. I wanted to grab out... And hold this thing that she was offering, but I wasn't sure if I dared. Could there really be hope? Is there really hope for my situation? Is it true what she is saying? Is there a way out of this addiction? Could my life really be saved? And and I remember saying to her, I said, really? I said, is there really hope? And she said, Of course there is. And and, and, and she was so confident that it surprised me. But, you know, we use the word hope so casually these days. You know, I hope to be there. I hope to see you. It's almost like a wish, isn't it? You know, I just hope. But the biblical definition of hope is to have a confident expectation. That's the biblical definition, to have a confident expectation. It's expecting to receive something and having full confidence that you will. That's what hope means biblically, a confident expectation. You know, and I'm sure we've all struggled at some time or another and you may be even right now with a certain issue, circumstance, relationship, illness, sickness, mental health, emotional issues, even unfulfilled dreams. You know, sometimes we've had dreams that we've carried for years and and they're just still sitting there dormant and we're wondering will will, will they ever come to pass? And we're tempted to say, is there really hope? Do I dare to hope? We've been believing God for things, some of us for many, many years, you know, the years just keep ticking on, we've just entered another year. Do I dare to hope for another year? Do I dare to hope for another decade? Waiting for loved ones to get their lives right. Waiting for our finances to take a turn. Waiting for healing to take place. Do I dare to believe another year, another decade? And we ask ourselves, is there really hope for my situation? Is there hope for that person? Is there hope for my marriage? Is there hope for this relationship? For what I'm going through? Is there hope for this addiction that I'm dealing with? This sugar addiction? (laughs) Pray for me. Is there still hope for the dreams that I've had for so long? Is there hope? And we ask ourselves, against all odds, is there hope? You know, there's a story in the Bible about two of Jesus' disciples that were asking themselves the same question. And so the backstory story is this. Jesus has just been crucified. Uh, they discovered that the tomb was empty, yet no one had seen him. They didn't know where he was. And, and, and they thought that he was going to be their saviour. They thought he was going to be their saviour, yet the tomb was empty and no one had seen him. And so we're going to pick up the story in Luke chapter 24 in verse 13. It says this Later that Sunday, two of Jesus' disciples were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a journey of about 17 miles. They were in the midst of a discussion about all the events of the last few days when Jesus walked up and accompanied them in their journey. They were unaware that it was Jesus walking alongside them, for God prevented them from recognizing him. Jesus said to them, You seem to be in a deep discussion about something. What are you talking about? So sad and gloomy. They stopped, and the one named Cleopas answered, Haven't you heard? Are you the only one in Jerusalem unaware of the things that have happened over the last few days? And Jesus said, What things? <laughs> What things? The things about Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they replied. He was a mighty prophet of God who performed miracles and wonders. His words were powerful and he had great favour with God and the people. But three days ago, the high priest and the rulers of the people sentenced him to death and had him crucified. We all, hoped, we all hoped that he was the one who would redeem and rescue Israel. Early this morning, some of the women informed us of something amazing. They said they went to the tomb and found it empty. They claimed two angels appeared and told them that Jesus is now alive. Some of us went to see for ourselves and found the tomb exactly like the women said, but no one has seen him. Jesus said to them, why are you so thick-headed? Jesus said that. Why are you so thick-headed? Why do you find it so hard to believe every word the prophets have spoken? Wasn't it necessary for Christ the Messiah to experience all these sufferings and then afterward to enter into the glory, his glory? Then he carefully unveiled to them the revelation of himself throughout the scripture. He started from the beginning and explained the writings of Moses and all the prophets, showing how they wrote of him and revealed the truth about himself. And as they approached the village, Jesus walked on ahead, telling them he was going on to a distant place. They urged him to remain there and pleaded, stay with us, it will be dark soon. So Jesus went with them into the village. Joining them at the table for supper, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and then gave it to them. All at once their eyes were open and they realised it was Jesus. Then suddenly in a flash, Jesus vanished from before their eyes. It's like a magician. Stunned, they looked at each other and said, why didn't we recognise it was him? "'Didn't our hearts burn with the flames of holy passion "'while we walked beside him? "'He unveiled for us such profound revelation "'from the scriptures. "'They left at once and hurried back to Jerusalem "'to tell the other disciples. "'When they found the 11 and the other disciples all together, "'they overheard them saying, "'It's really true. "'The Lord has risen from the dead. "'He even appeared to Peter. "'Then the two disciples told the others "'what had happened to them on the road to Emmaus "'and how Jesus had had unveiled himself as he broke bread.' with them. The first point to be made is that it's very clear here from these verses that these two disciples had lost hope. They had lost hope. They'd just seen who they thought was going to be their saviour die a horrible death on the cross and now his tomb was empty and he was nowhere to be seen. It didn't make sense to them. They were confused, frustrated, feeling hopeless. The scriptures said that they were sad and gloomy. Another translation, it's a bit funny, isn't it? Another translation is that their faces were downcast, that they, 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 they were feeling depressed, they were despondent, uh, they, they were struggling, they were feeling discouraged. you ever feel discouraged? You know, when you feel like there's no hope and, and you've been believing for such a long time, you begin to feel discouraged. And, and they were struggling to comprehend the last few days and the events that had just occurred. They really believed he was their saviour, yet he'd just been crucified. And now they weren't sure what to believe. Have you ever believed something? And then something happens and it throws you, and then you you're not sure what to believe? So do I believe this or do I believe that? And you get confused, you get discouraged, you get despondent. The two they the two disciples said, We all hoped that he was the one who would redeem and rescue Israel. We had all hoped we had hoped he was our saviour, they had lost hope and Jesus had recognised that they had lost hope as well and the question we have to ask ourselves is why didn't Jesus reveal himself straight away? Why didn't he reveal himself straight away? The journey was 17 miles which is uh, over 27 kilometres so I google map that and that's a six hour walk can you imagine going on a walk, just just going on a little walk, and six hours long? I mean, my kids complained in the car because we drove to Kalbarri, which is a six-hour drive. Uh, and so, but but we can be safe to say that Jesus spent a considerable amount of time with these two disciples. Would be safe. We don't know when he joined them on the journey. It says he joined them on the journey, but I think we're safe to say that it was for quite a few hours that he was with them. And uh, yet the scripture said God prevented them from recognising him. They were unaware that Jesus was walking with them. Why? Why didn't he reveal himself straight away? He could have lifted their spirits. He could have just one, revealed himself and then, and then that would be that. He could see they were trying to figure things out. He could, he could see they were trying to make sense of it all. You know, how many times do we cry out to God and ask him, why am I suffering Why am I going through this? Why is this happening? Why can't you just fix it? Why didn't Jesus reveal himself to the two disciples from the start? Does he like seeing people suffer? (laughs) Is is it some sort of game? Does, Does he have fun with this? What's going on? We know that's not Jesus. We know that Jesus came to bring peace and joy. He came to bring wholeness and unity and freedom he came to bring restoration we know he's a good God why didn't he reveal himself straight away Jesus didn't reveal himself immediately because he was building their faith he was building their faith he challenged them he questioned them he got them to tell their story he said what things as if he didn't know it's funny how God asks us questions when he already knows the answers right He's drawing from them. He's building them up. He's strengthening them. He spent time with them unpacking the scriptures like he had so many times before, building their faith. He was preaching about himself without revealing himself. I mean, only Jesus could do that, right? <laughs> he knows what it says in James 1.3, For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And he knew that the disciples would be enduring a number of things in the coming day as they went out into all nations and established the church on this earth. The opposition, the ridicule, the persecution. And it's the same thing that we as believers are called to, aren't we? Our vision here is connect, grow, empower, to advance God's kingdom with the message of Jesus Christ. And there will be opposition it's not going to be a walk in the park. He was building their faith. Jesus knows that without faith, it is impossible to please God. It would be faith that would save them and the world, and it still is today. In Romans chapter 5, verse 3, it says this, but that's not all, and it's speaking about uh, this faith that saves. Even in times of trouble, we have joyful confidence, knowing that our pressures will develop in us, patient endurance, and patient endurance We'll refine our character and proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. This hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. That's good news this morning. You know, God promised Abraham and his descendants that they would have an heir who would reign over this world. That was the promise to Abraham, except Abraham was 100 years old and his wife Sarah was 90 years old. How could that happen if not for the miraculous? How could it happen if not for the miraculous? This is what the Bible says about Abraham in Romans chapter 4 verse 18, against all odds, against all odds when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. He took God at his word and as a result he became the father of many nations. God's declaration over him came to pass. Your descendants will be so many that they will be impossible to count. In spite of being nearly 100 years old when the promise of having a son was made, his faith was so strong that it could not be undermined by the fact that he and Sarah were incapable of conceiving a child. He never stopped believing God's promise for he was made strong in his faith to father a child. And because he was mighty in faith, convinced, that's a confident expectation, hope, confident expectation, and convinced that God had all the power needed to fulfill his promises, Abraham glorified God. He believed that God was faithful to deliver the promise, that God is faithful to deliver the promise. He took God at his word as well. This is God's word, then I believe it. He took him at his word. You know, there's people, you know, when they say something, they're going to do it that that's taking people at that word. And we love that about people, don't we? When someone says they're going to do something, can they do it? It's awesome. That's God every single time. He had a confident expectation, and so did Sarah, his wife. Hebrews 11:11, 11, 11, and by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. She considered him faithful Sarah considered him faithful to deliver the promise. Some of us just need to take God at his word. That's all. It says it, okay. And that's it. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? (laughs) Yet so hard to actually apply in our everyday lives, right? To trust in his faithfulness, not in our own strength to deliver, but God's faithfulness to deliver. Sometimes God is waiting for us to get to the end of ourselves. He's waiting for us to get the end of ourselves, to stop doing things in our own strength, to stop thinking that we are the saviour, to stop thinking that we are the rescuer, to stop thinking that we can fix things and surrender to him. And then he's like, praise God, I can get to work now. I can do what I do, which is be God and perform miracles. Amen? God is well able. God is faithful. He will deliver the promises and declarations over our life and he wants to build our faith too. The suffering that you experience, that you're going through in the waiting, your faith is being built. Your faith is being built. Trust in God, trust in the promise. Some of you are believing God for the miraculous. Keep believing. Don't stop. Keep believing. Don't stop. God can do it. Do you believe it? God can do it. You know, my mother-in-law has three sons and all three sons were addicted to heroin. Can you imagine that? Not one, not two, but three sons addicted to heroin. And so she had to stand by and watch each son destroy their life and those around them. And so for many years she prayed and she believed and she hoped And she pushed into God and she stood her ground. And after the first eight, between eight and ten years, I think it was eight years, after the first eight years, the first son, against all odds, Jacob gets healed, set free and delivered in Jesus' name. An absolute miracle. But there's still two sons left. So she's still believing and hoping and praying and standing on God's promises and not moving, that unshakable hope that she had, pushing into God. And she kept believing and believing. After another eight years, second son gets set free and delivered in Jesus' name. (laughs) There's one son left, one son left, and she's still believing and hoping and standing her ground and praying and pushing into God and thanking him for her family and her children and the two sons that are set free. And after another eight years, that's three eight years, that's uh, 24. Anyway, the third son, third, set free, delivered, healed in Jesus' name. Absolute miracle. Absolute miracle. So all three sons have got the families of their own now, walking with God, serving God. But it was 24 years, 25, 25 years, 24 years that she waited for this. But she has her son's back. God is a miracle-working God. Against all odds, there is hope. There is always hope. You know, the two disciples needed reminding of that, and so do we. They had lost hope, yet they didn't recognise the fact that Jesus' death gave them the greatest hope possible. The fact that he died is actually what gave them hope, and they needed a revelation of that, and they got that revelation when Jesus appeared before them, them, When Jesus broke the bread and it doesn't always look like how we think it doesn't always look like how we think you know the two disciples couldn't make sense of what was happening they couldn't figure it out yet God was at work doing what he does best and that is to perform miracles and sometimes it's hard to remember in the midst of the struggle you know when you're in the midst of it it's so hard to remember and that's why we need each other That's why uh, we we need to be in church and in connect group and and, and surrounded by like-minded people that can remind us of this incredible truth that there is hope in God. You know, the two disciples were actually walking away from Jerusalem. They were walking away from the other believers. They were walking in the wrong direction, away, isolating themselves, away from the other believers. They had lost hope and they were on the road to nowhere. You know, when you're discouraged and despondent and and wondering about things, it's not the time to walk away. It's the time to stay close, real close. How many times do we lose hope when you're frustrated with life and how it's turning out, when you're sick of waiting for what you're believing for, when you're dealing with the same issue without breakthrough and you walk away? Maybe not physically, maybe you're still in church, maybe you're still in Connect Group, maybe you're still in your marriage But in your heart, you've disengaged. You've hardened your heart. In your thinking, you've checked out. So you're still here physically, but in your heart, you're not. In your heart, you've put up a wall. In your heart, you're just going through the motions. You know, you can go through the motions, can't you? But you've lost hope and you've lost faith. But you need to know this morning that there's always hope. There is always hope, always It doesn't matter what your situation looks like. You can come up if you, team. It doesn't matter how bad it seems. It doesn't matter what the facts are. It doesn't matter what the report is. There is hope. And what you think you have lost is coming back. What you think you have lost is coming back. He gives back what the enemy has stolen. He's a restorer of all things. God is the restorer. God is building your faith This is the year to begin to trust in him again. Allow that to ignite within your heart. This is the year to begin to trust in him again. You know, Abraham's faith wavered. It's okay. It happens. And I'm sure my mother-in-law, across the span of those 24, 25 years, I'm sure her faith wavered plenty of times. But she never gave up. She never gave up. So continue to stand keep hoping, keep praying, keep believing, praise him, glorify him, lift his name, remember the good things that he has done and he will do it again. We're going to sing that song in a minute. And you claim those things that God, that you are believing for and God has spoken over your life. You claim them today. Start declaring over your life the things that God has promised you. Don't let 2020 go by without declaring and receiving your inheritance. Don't let the next decade go by without stepping into all God has for you. This is your year. This is your year. We're going to see things come to pass. But we have to step into it. We have to declare it. We have to believe it. We have to stand in hope. We have to, when we are suffering, understand that God is building our faith and it's going to be okay. You're not going to die speak it out, thank him for it, receive it. Hebrews 6, 18 to 20. So it is impossible for God to lie, for we know that his promise and his vow will never change. He never changes. How cool is that? People are a little bit fickle. They're up and down, aren't they? Aren't we? I'm the same. Jacob's like, which Mel's woken up today? (laughs) God never changes. He's always the same. And now we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. I'm not that crazy. This is where we find his strength and comfort for he empowers us to seize what has already been established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. We have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat which sits in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold and where Jesus, our forerunner, has gone in before us. He is now and forever our royal priest like Melchizedek. We're seated in heavenly places. How awesome is that? He empowers us to take hold of what he's already given us, which is an unshakable hope. Hope is an anchor for our souls, anchoring us to God. We get to hide in his faithfulness. How cool is that? We get to hide in his faithfulness. I mean, that's good news. As a church for 2020, we can dare to hope. We can dare to believe. We can dare to trust in his faithfulness. We trust in his promises over our church. We trust in the vision he has given us. We trust in the souls that we're believing for. That soul focus box, we're trusting and believing for all those people in there. And we're going to be adding some this year. We trust in our building that's coming in Jesus' name. We trust our faith is being built both individually as and as a church. And we trust that he'll continue to do mighty works among us in 2020. Let's pray. Lord, I declare life. I declare hope to rise again. I declare faith to be strengthened. I declare promises spoken over us to come to pass. I declare souls to be saved. I declare finances to be increased. I declare lives to be restored. I declare marriages to unite. I declare healing to take place. I declare boldness over this church for 2020. I declare our building to come to pass. I declare our fellowship to grow and relationships to be strengthened. I declare peace and joy over every individual in this place. Place, Lord God and every family attached to these individuals Father God in Jesus name you know everything you think you lost is coming back everything you think you have lost is coming back against all odds it's coming back in Jesus name speak it over your life speak it watch what is coming out of your mouth this year be careful we're going to do a series on our words this year be so careful what comes out of your mouth be declaring promises and life over your life and your family and this church in Jesus' name. I declare 2020 to be our best year yet in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Jacob, if you'd like to jump up. Actually, just if you bow your heads, if you just bow your heads, I just, I really shouldn't close a service without uh, giving people an opportunity to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And and, um, and, and, and even if it's a recommitment, you may want to recommit this year. And so when I got to Teen Challenge, the first thing I did after six days, I was in the program, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, best decision uh, I ever made. Peace and joy like never before. And so if that's you this morning, if you want to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus, just lift up your hand. If there's anyone in the house this morning, if you lift up your hand and we're just going to pray, if you can pray after me. God, I thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for me. I ask that you forgive me of my sins, wash me clean, and today I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that for the first time in the building or online, uh Get into a church, get into a new Christians course and this is the best day of your life, the beginning of an awesome journey in Jesus' name. Amen.